0: Welcome to Present Poetry. I'm your host, Erin Crittenden, and all poems within this podcast are either public domain or are used with permission from the author or the author's estate. It's a fun time for poetry lovers of all ages, so sit back, relax, and get ready to hear some poems of the past and the present. This week's featured poet is Maxwell Bodenheim. Maxwell Bodenheim was born May 26. 1892, in Hermanville, Mississippi. In 1900, when Bodenheim was eight, his family moved from Mississippi to Chicago, and there he spent his life under the radar until 1912, when he met writer Ben Hitch. The two quickly formed a literary friendship, and Bodenheim published his first poem in 1914, then published another one in 1917. He married his first wife, Minna, in 1918, and the two had a son, Solbert, in 1920. Unfortunately, they did end up divorcing in 1938. However, by this time, Bodenheim had established himself as a leading figure in the bohemian scene of New York's Greenwich Village, an active member of the Raven Poetry Circle, and one of the upcoming leading American authors. He published 10 books of poetry between 1918 and 1946, and he co-founded the Chicago Literary Times with Ben Hedge in 1923. However, he quickly deteriorated after his success and became a panhandler before marrying his second wife, Grace, in 1939. The two of them then lived in the Catskills until her untimely death in 1950. In 1952, Bodenheim married Ruth Fagan, who shared an affinity for Bodenheim's derelict lifestyle. Homeless, they slept on park benches, and Bodenheim would panhandle or write verse for money and drink. Ruth became a prostitute, which was a career that Bodenheim would beat her for. Unfortunately, their wild and free lifestyle finally caught up with them, and Maxwell Bodenheim and Ruth Fagan were both murdered on February 6, 1954, by Harold, a 25-year-old dishwasher. Allegedly, he slept with Ruth while Bodenheim was passed out drunk, but when Bodenheim awoke and confronted the pair, Harold shot him in the chest before beating and stabbing Ruth to death. Despite his macabre ending, Bodenheim left a legacy that is still making waves in literary circles. We are reading from Against This Age, a collection of poetry published in 1923 at the height of Bodenheim's career. This poem is called Compulsory Tasks. Words, it is apparent that you are crucified and fondled by the pride of each new generation. O words, whose sportive formations could make the courts of intellect belligerent and insane, men have sentenced you to scores of endless drudgeries. Weakened by the years, you guard the dying bonfires of each nation and race. Again, like hordes of cattle, You drag the expectations of social theories and remedies, stopping only when the blood of men washes away your useless labors. I have seen your bands of ragged courtesans marching in feverish lines to rescue the rights of sex. I have watched you rush to repair the cracks in breaking cathedrals and churches. With gilded exclamatory vowels, you garnish the cowering of earth, and with reoccurring darkness, you spurn the peering mind. Again you are hands of intellect, disrobing the flesh of men and carefully preserving each discarded garment with a pinch of powdered emotion. Again you are driven forth in lying mobs of sighs and laughs to warm the evening hours of a nation. They could never restrain themselves to wait at home for the postman. Would Copperfield marry Dora or Agnes? Sentimental breathlessness, fleeing from the helpless decay of thought. O oh, words, brow-beaten bricklayers, obeying the shouts of science, and raising walls upon whose top the soul is perched, contemptuously squinting down at toiling pygmies. O oh, words, and you can be superbly demented sceptics, betraying the unctuous failures of earth, riding the wild horse of the mind, bringing spurs into play, summoning with pain the lurking soul. This poem is called To Time. O time, you are an idiot's fluid curse. O time, you are an uninspired hearse. O time, you kill beneath your robe of nurse. O time, your eyes are cherubs drowned in pools. O time, your wisdom scorns the aid of stools. O time, your kindness blinds the life of fools. O time, you blur pretentious intellect. O time, you break the thrones that thoughts erect. O time, your hands indifferently correct the incoherent sorceries of men who dance before a monstrous axe and pen, waving the features of words, and then censure the dance with pedestals of gauze, cleverly imitating rock and laws, whose opaque sureness broods above their cause. When irony will cease to be obscure to men whose eyes resent the cloudy lure that ends their tiny clarities with pure. And forming mists of words, then men will climb with restless regularity like time who merely seeks a changing pantomime. O time, you are too pure and swiftly wide for men who tried to check your colored stride with opaque temples and a sleeping bride. This poem is called Highly Deliberate Poem. Mother, oh mine, mother, oh mine, Sweet as a rose in the springtime The man who bawls this song Has the face of a spellbound, hairless rat Entranced within a spotlight, he borrows unconsciously Another voice from despair The ordinary squeak of his life is paralyzed And fear of death lends him a tenor voice To supplicate the catcher but the audience fails to understand and makes flat sounds of glee with hands. Death, quietly disgusted at this blind approval, takes away the spotlight. Now safe, the rat presents jerks of gratitude and scampers off to gnaw at his wife within their dressing room. That squeezed-in bag of piteous mythologies described as heart has opened in 1,000 people and received a vision of past solicitude for other bags. The rat repeats this feat and wins varieties of coarse sweetmeats. At sixty, the rat will be gorged Machiavelli, wondering whether he has not blundered. Death finds no interest in killing rats, and often allows them to live, preferring instead the less buried souls of a poet or a child of ten. But the rat has found a fear within the second eyes of whiskey and relates it to his wife. Say, may this thing is funny. You won't believe me, but tonight, just before I started the act, I felt like I was gonna die. What in the hell is wrong with me? This booze must be driving me bug house. Well, move a leg and get that thousand Faulkner promised you, and stop sitting there and staring at me. Death, who has listened with fastidious Inui, strolls off to slay an infant newly born. This poem is called Topsy-Turvy. If I insist that violence are intellectual eyes dotting with a wave of sight, the chained recalcitrants of earth, philosophers and scientists, blind boys who bolt themselves within a room, will seek to torture me for the flashing witchcraft that rides on thunderclaps called imagination. The crystallized escape of fear is known as logic and men have used it to light small spaces in the wilderness of black. But I prefer to mount huge horses of the wind, whose fantastic laughter separates to metaphors and similes that hurl their decorations against the wide malevolence of space. When I return to the morbid helplessness of earth and shake off the dream of freedom, men ply their knives of gods and creeds upon my skin, Much traveling through space has made me immune to pain, and metaphors and similes aid my counting of blood drops, bringing color to mathematics. Lady upon whose head I weave the motives of this poem, change your sex to a barely visible trembling that can match the fluttering charm of the wreath that I have made for you. When this task is finished, we may saunter gaily past the cunning niches that psychology has made for us. This poem is called Three Portraits. Portrait 1 Withdraw your hair from the simulated interest of the moon. Take every tenuous shadow from the aimless tongues of these trees and darken your speech until it attains a fickle and fantastic acquaintance with the eccentric night. Disarrange your dress and make it a subtle invitation to nakedness. Remove your shoes and stockings so that your feet may enjoy an embarrassed soliloquy with the grass. Place the palm of your hand lightly against your nose, following the slope of some grotesque feeling. Devise these careful affronts to the heavier intentions of thought and emotion, and gratefully accept your title of minor poet. Only trees with long roots caught by hills will recognize your importance. Portrait 2 They worship musical sound, protecting the breast of emotion, their feelings pose as fortune-tellers, and angle for coins from credulous thoughts. Shall we abandon this luxury of mild mist and wild raptures? Your face refrains from speaking yes, but your poised eyes roundly reward the luminous question. Greece and Asia have exchanged problems upon your face, and the fine poise of your head tries to catch the conversation. Few people care to use thoughts as musical instruments, Bringing ingenious restraints to grief and joy, but we, with clasped arms, will descend daringly upon the situation. The full blown confusion of life will detest our intrusion. Portrait 3. If you subtract the nose, you add religion, supine and in a glitter of explanation, expanding the unreasonable second of chattering, pugnacious flesh. The inquisitive elevation of noses does not fit into the smooth curvatures of faith. If you remove the lips, you add philosophy, for lips express the warm quarrel of emotions and become crimson antagonists to contemplation. If you subtract the eyes, you add the fertile smugness of the earth, for eyes are rapid skeptics, tossing light beyond the circles of the earth. Flesh will remain and facilitate between the cocaine of belief in times of wakefulness, designed to replenish the drug. Then reconstruct the face with shifting experiments of spirit, fantasy, and intellect, intent upon violating the tyrannies of formal reiteration. Men will revile you and bestow the necessary background. Thank you for listening to this episode of Present Poetry. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review share us on social media, or subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you would like to learn more about the featured poet, or you would like your work featured on the podcast, please check out the links in the show notes. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you all have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.